Hi everyone, it's Melinda Mack coming at you with Niatip on the Road. It is November 13th, 2019 at 10.13 p.m. We had another really full day today on our amazing visit to Germany. Um, we are still in Cologne, um, again, which is in one of the northwestern um, areas of the country. Um, and today we spent the day with the Rheinisch Academy, or Rheinisch Academy, also known as the Rhein Academy, um, which is a Beruf school of a, or a part of the vocational school system um, where often German apprenticeships are affiliated. Um, it was interesting, though, because this particular vocational training school um, is actually a private school, which I'm not sure we were aware of until we arrived. Um, and what we learned is only about 4 to 5% of vocational training is done through private schools. Um, about 95% of the remaining training um, is run for free through the government. So it was really interesting for us to experience and learn about what this very small portion of the system looks like. If I was going to take a giant step back and sort of give it a comparison, which again, I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison. Um, I think the New York delegation agreed it's very similar to our boards of cooperative education system or BOCES program, which are um, sort of a blend of vocational training, high school equivalency, um, as well as um, customized and business facing um, short term certificates and training. We also learned that another reason why we think it's more similar to a BOCES than say a proprietary school uh, is that they receive about 80% of their money from the federal and state government, so their subsidies. Uh, what was also really interesting is when we asked where their students come from, they're students who can pay to attend, and when we say pay, it's, it's still relatively inexpensive in comparison to what uh, folks would pay to attend sort of a university um, in the United States, so it's probably around, I think it was around uh, $300 a month, or 300 euros a month, which is you know really pretty inexpensive. Uh, or they're actually referred by the Workforce Training Center or their job center, which from the sounds of, of it, what we've heard sort of so far is that it's very similar to an unemployment insurance office, uh, but it is a little bit different considering the benefit structure in the country. And so uh, folks here typically have unemployment insurance for a full year before they go on to a, a different level of benefit, meaning that their benefits would be reduced if they didn't start looking for work or find employment. And so, the job agencies would provide referrals to a private training program or a public training program to help folks get a you know, new set of skills in order to be able to attach to employment. And so when we were asking who those folks were, who the people were that were coming from the job centers, they truly sounded like they were the chronically unemployed or the long-term unemployed. So um, we spent some time in the morning uh, talking to the, the doctor or the professor who runs the language interpretation school, um, which is actually a, a really highly in-demand occupation in Germany and across Europe. Uh, I guess translation services are uh, not only available in nearly every large company, but are something that are desperately in demand. And so we heard pretty frequently over and over that students who go to the school have almost nearly 100% job placement. Um, if you sort of check onto the blog, there is a short video of the introduction uh, for the gentleman who oversees the full school, more or less saying that people come to their programs because they know they'll get a job. And that was really interesting for us because we, pretty, we asked him pretty much every way you could ask, why would someone pick a school you pay for, even if it's only 300 euros a month, over something that was free? 
So again, if you sort of remember from a previous podcast or previous blog post, the dual vet system is the, the sort of primary education system. So the education system that takes you up to 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, you then sort of can pick a path or choose your own adventure. So you can go into vocational training, which is what we're referring to. The dual vet program, which is where the apprenticeship structure lives and sits. Or you could go into university, which dual vet and university and many of the vocational oriented programs are free. So why would you choose this 5% of the programs that you have to pay for? And they emphasized over and over again, it's because you get a job. You're guaranteed in many ways to get a job. When we dug a little deeper, it also turns out that many of the free programs, um, as they were described to us over the last couple of days, are incredibly oversubscribed, meaning that they have really high demand, but also have incredibly big class sizes. So they were talking about class sizes between four and 500 um, in any sort of general education course. And so as we sort of got talking about it during our debrief today as a group or as a, a larger delegation, we agreed that some students would do better or prefer a smaller class size. So this might be another reason why they would opt into to these types of programs. But the Rhine Academy, um, as we were presented, uh, is a primarily a STEM, I'm using air quotes for STEM, so science, technology, engineering, or math-based school and so many of the programs that we witnessed today are healthcare related so there's pharmacy tech there was a laboratory tech there was a molecular biology uh, classroom which if you get a chance do go back onto the blog and you can hear a short uh, interview of the students or the students responding to why they chose the program they chose they had really beautiful high-tech lab space and facilities Um, and as we were speaking with with them they sort of described the fact that that was unique and it was unique to them to be able to have all of this hands-on training that is done right here um, at this facility. Um, we, we did sort of go back and forth a little bit again about why students would choose this as an option. Um, there was some interesting language that, that this group used around the dual vet system being unregulated. And as we went back and forth, I think what they were referring to is that in particular for many of the medical related professions or the STEM related professions that they specialize in, there's additional regulations from the government, meaning that they're uh, sort of like the health department would be involved or there would be a different, a different set of certifications or requirements in order for the students to be able to work in any given occupation. So for example, a pharmacy tech, not only do they have to pass an exam to exit the program, um, they likely would have other sort of certifications or requirements associated with it. Which leads me to something that we also learned today that was really, really interesting. Uh, to be able to enter any into any of these vocationally oriented programs, not only just at the Rhine Academy, but really across the board, there are entrance exams. And I think they're above and beyond what we would consider in our state the TABE test. It is an uh, entrance exam that sort of tests your levels of competency. If you do not meet that level of competency, you do not get in. Um, and similarly, if you do not pass the exit exam, you do not get a certificate or you do not get a completion or you do not get your credential and in some cases a baccalaureate degree um, as described by the Rhine Academy and you only get two chances at it. So they really have an incredible incentive to help students pass um, in order for them to be able to get that credential. Um, we actually said, well, what happens if you don't pass twice? And they said, well, then you have to find another profession. So they sort of alluded to the fact that it was really stressful, but also that that was one of the performance measures that the school is, is measured on. 
Um, a couple of other things that they shared that are similar to some of the issues that we're dealing with in the U.S. Um, they mentioned that up until about a year ago or two years ago, they never even needed to market their programs. They didn't even need to go out and tell people about their programs. They had four or 500 students um, at any given time in the programs, but due to the declining birth rates and also the really strong economy, they're starting to struggle to be able to fill classes. Um, and in fact, they talked about having to shut down a couple of programs, including um, one of the more uh, vocationally oriented programs related to HVAC or HVAC technicians. Um, and that, that's just something they're not gonna be able to run anymore because they can't fill the class. Um, they also talked a bit about some of the struggles they're starting to see about the students coming in who are not prepared academically to participate in the programs. And so the gentleman who was running the translation services uh, sort of department described that students who are entering the English translator program were not coming prepared to speak English, uh, let alone prepared to speak German. And so the students were requiring additional sets of services in order to meet the basic grammar requirements in order to enter into the translation program. So it's a it's a new issue for them, something that they're beginning to struggle with, um, but also are recognizing is going to continue to be an issue if they don't sort of shift or address their model. Another unique item they're trying or sort of way they're trying to get more people into training programs for the in-demand sector across the country, which also the Ryan Academy described as one of their challenges, is that for some of the really in-demand occupations, either in healthcare or in tech or in um, some of the more uh, sort of handiwork type of jobs, the government is now at offering in rural areas a thousand euro a month stipend um, to attend their free training programs in order to be able to increase the number of people who are coming out with credentials in rural areas that are having trouble to recruit. And so in addition to this school, Ryan Academy charging, they're now competing with programs that are actually paying students to attend um, a variety of different schooling programs. So I think the last item that I'll mention before um, I head to bed tonight is that we also talked quite a bit about the, the difference between the U.S. system and the German system as it relates to the federal government's role in regulating or overseeing sort of the frameworks that determine what are qualifications for occupations. I think one of the things that we've taken away is that there's a element of overregulation in the German government, but also at the same time, a sense of stability or everyone's on the same page around what needs to be achieved in order to demonstrate competency. And so as we debriefed today, we went back and forth a bit about, I think some of the overall benefits to having a common set of requirements so that everybody knows if you're training, for example, a home health aid, that everyone is training a home health, weight, a home health aid to the same standard, or if everyone is training uh, HVAC technician, whether you be a for-profit school, a non-profit school, a uh, state-run school, everyone is training to the same standard. Uh, that's something that they do in Germany. I don't think it's something that we are even close to achieving in a place like the U.S. And so we had talked a bit about how regardless of what training you go through, if you're able to pass that exam at the end, in many ways it demonstrates that you have competency. And so I don't know, I, I think we we're sort of on the fence around what that would look like in the U.S. as we, we talked about it as a group. But there's something I think that's unique and there's something that's of value um, that the Germans have figured out that we probably should take a look at. Um, the other thing that we sort of took away is 
things aren't always as great as they seem. I think, you know, as we've heard for the last couple of days, you get a couple of perspectives associated with this model that really describe it as the best, the, the greatest thing that has ever sort of graced the workforce development field. Um, but then you do hear a set of criticisms around how it's run, um, the, the slowness of the, the process in order to adapt the, the model to new technologies, um, get new ideas. Um, for example, the, the Rhine Academy talked about a model that they're having to present before the foreign ministry, or excuse me, the federal ministry, um, that will integrate a online module for some of the learning so the students can spend more time doing the hands-on training and that that is could take six months to a year to two years before they get that that approved and so again it was really interesting for us to sort of hear some of the challenges um, more clearly articulated uh, than I think we've heard um, from other government officials. The last thing I think that we've consistently noticed as a group is every time we ask a really pointed question around serving the hardest to serve or serving anyone with a barrier to employment, we really get sort of the dance around the answer. And so if someone is coming in who's formally incarcerated, if someone is walking through the door who is a foster youth, is a, an individual who does not speak English well, where do they fit in this training system? We don't know the answer to that yet. Um, and I think that's something that we're continuing to probe as we go through the next couple of days. Um, the country has incredibly low unemployment, so those individuals must be working somewhere or accessing employment somehow. And I think we're hoping we can get to the bottom of that before we head home on Saturday. Now, as I'm looking down at my notes, um, before I forget, I do also want to add that Laura, who's with us from Michigan and works for a manufacturer, also mentioned during our debrief today that she is still consistently swirling around this issue that businesses, or as it's being relayed to us, employers are starting to actually do their own in-house training. And we can't quite get an answer yet on why they're not just using the vocational training system. Um, is it not set up for that type of direct employer engagement or customized training like we do in the States? Is the value proposition not there for them, considering that the training is free if it goes through the federal government or the state government-run offices? Um, we don't quite have an answer just yet. We're hoping we can also get to the bottom of that while we're here. Uh, Laura brought up a really good point. She said, you know, is it because they're requiring stuff that's more specialized? They can't adopt or change the curriculum quick enough? Um, is it just too difficult for them to sort of get the students up to where they need to be? Is there more hands-on training required? There's sort of a lot of things that she was swirling around. And again, I think it's an important piece because the system itself purports itself to be a very demand-driven, business-oriented system, of which we were, again, all very impressed as we were hearing about the direct business engagement. But at the same time, employers aren't directly accessing the system, I think, in the same way through the vocational side as they are perhaps through dual vet. So before, um, again, I, I leave tonight, I do want to mention, uh, go back to the blog. There's two items that are also there uh, in conjunction with this podcast. One, there's a really short uh, clip from two students who provided their perspective on why they decided to take part in the program at the Rhine Academy related to molecular, a molecular technician. 
and so do take a look at that. We also have a very short video of the head of the school who provided an introduction to the Rhine Academy. Um, we are going to try to get the slides from the presentation today so we can provide them and present them back up, probably not by the end of the day today, um, but do keep posted and you know we'll keep in touch with you tomorrow about um, our experience. I think tomorrow we're actually heading to speak with the digital hub, the sort of tech center here uh, in Cologne, and so it'll be an exciting day with lots of interesting things to share. Thanks and have a great night.